Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey everybody, welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and today I have the pleasure of having another stewardship leader in the spotlight, and that is Rodney Ross. Rodney Ross is the central team leader of giving and generosity at Light Church in Oklahoma City, and they have campuses pretty much all over the world now. Uh, they are a huge church with a great, great amount of influence, uh, and such a pleasure to to know Rodney, to, to call him a friend. And I wanted to invite him to come and share his story about stewardship, what brought him into it, and uh, and also find out what he's up to and what is Life Church doing in this area of generosity and stewardship. Uh, so, Rodney, thank you for being here. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. Absolutely, thank you very much, Leo. I'm excited to be here. All right, well, let's dive right in. Let me ask you the first question, which is, what is your personal stewardship story? What brought you into stewardship? Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I really, my journey kind of started on the generosity side. My parents and grandparents were both just extremely generous people. And my my parents were really, really generous, but they weren't great stewards. Mm. And so I didn't have a lot of stewardship training growing up. Uh, I didn't know how to take care of the resources well so that I could be generous, uh, but I had a heart to be generous. And so I ended up learning a lot of stewardship lessons the hard way um, and have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But my passion for generosity kind of drove my passion for stewardship because I knew I wanted to be able to be generous but to do that, I had to be a great steward. And once that clicked in my mind, my passion for stewardship just grew. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm actually in my dream job today. I just love what I get to do here at Life Church, um, and it's because of tithing that I'm able to do that. I was logging on to our website uh, to give my tithe, and I noticed the careers page for the first time. That little link, mm-hmm. and clicked on it. And just out of curiosity, uh, I clicked on a, a role called giving experience director. Had no idea what that was, but um, really, as I read the description, I invited my wife in, she read it, and and, and she tells me, yeah, you're supposed to apply. And then she walks out, and there I am. Uh, and so <laughs> took a step of faith, And uh, but I, I credit that to just being faithful and returning the tithe gave me that opportunity to have that moment where God called me into full-time ministry. Man, that's excellent. I, I love the little part that you just shared about your wife saying, yeah, you're supposed to apply. And she just walks away as if she heard it from the Lord directly. Uh, I had a similar experience when I told my wife that I had been approached to, to, you know, to apply and take this position at Gateway Church back in 2006. And, and she literally said to me, she says, yeah, don't you remember like a year and a half ago, I told you to prepare because this was going to happen sooner than you think. And, and just like that, I remember I was like, that's right. She did say that. And my response to her was, woman, you don't know what you're talking about. I literally (laughs) said that. And here I am a year and a half later, and she's like, uh, this is not a surprise to me. So I'm, I'm kind of shocked that it's a surprise to you because everyone else around me said, yeah, this makes sense to us. Like, this is what God's calling you to. And I was the only one that was out of the loop. Um, so I love that. I love how our spouses can confirm the things that God has uh, has us 
called to. And and it's important because, I mean, obviously she's part of that journey with you. So awesome, awesome story. So tell me, Rodney, what is the most challenging part of serving in this ministry today? You know, I, I think of a couple of things. One, um, you know, I have so many ideas. I'm an ideator is one of my strengths, uh, mm-hmm. ideation. And I come up with a lot of ideas, but often it's hard to know, hey, what's the right idea to invest my time and energy in? What do I need to be saying no to so that I can focus on the best things? And that can always be a challenge. And then the second thing is, uh, you know, we, we've got 45 uh, physical locations now, plus church wow. online. And we're just really thinking about scaling. You know, we've, we've figured out a lot of ways to do things uh, with a smaller number of campuses. But, but as we've continued to grow, we've got to figure out new ways to do things and uh, figure out how we can scale. And so that's constantly a challenge we're facing. Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine that. I mean, plus you were talking about having so many ideas and so many things you want to do, but knowing that. Uh, the time that it takes, the energy, the resources. And so it really is a, an indication of, uh, not indication, an extension of being a good steward is to to walk through those and have maybe some some people that can feed into that or speak into that to make sure that you're really applying the right resources at the right time in the right places. But yeah, a church your size and growing, you guys uh, have always been kind of at the front of this. I remember when we first started having multiple campuses, a gateway, Live Church was the first church that we reached out and said, how did you do this? And uh, I think you guys had several, probably at least five or seven campuses at that time, maybe more. And so uh, being at 45, I imagine, I don't know of any other church that's trying to figure out, how do you do that? Especially when it comes to ministries like stewardship, how do you make sure that everyone has an opportunity to grow in this area? Um, So in regards to the ministry, what are you focused on most right now? Yeah, you know, we're uh, we're in a little bit of an economic downturn mm. and there's lots of talk about the the economy, a lot of talk about inflation. And so, you know, I, I kind of see that there's there's two groups of people. There, there are those that are actually significantly impacted by the economy and inflation. And then there's those that are impacted by the fear about how it's being talked about. And so kind of what we're, we're seeing and hearing is a scarcity mindset from a lot mm. of attenders. And yeah. there, there's just not enough uh, for me to to um, do everything I need to do or do everything that I want to do. Um, and so that that's kind of a big picture thing we're, we're taking on. And then, you know, we're, we're also, one of the things we noticed is we actually, last year, we had more lapsed givers uh, then we had first time givers. So we had more people stop giving than start giving. Mm. And um, that's something that we want to reverse that trend on. So that was something that the data showed us. Uh, and we're actively doing some things to change that. Any idea what caused it? Just because I know, I know I've been keeping up all of us who are in this space, obviously are interested in, in the giving trends because they do paint a picture of what's really going on in our congregations with people, generally speaking. So um, one of the things that I know uh, I've been looking at is both the the drop in attendance through the pandemic and also, of course, that reflects the giving. But recently, I just saw a study recently done by Horizons, uh, Horizon Stewardship, which is one of our, our uh, good friends, and they were talking about how actually the, the trend is now reversing. But I'm sure inflation is continuing to plague some churches probably more than others. But how do you know what's caused the giving so that you can do the right thing and try to help, you know, reverse that trend? 
Yeah. So, you know, there's there's multiple parts of it. And what we did is is we're not trying to figure out it all at once. Um, that's a that's a huge thing to try to figure out. So we're trying to break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces that we can tackle one at a time. And so we've we've taken our lapsed givers and we we're looking at it in three ways. One, there's a group of people that we would expect to lapse. And it's folks that that never considered life church their church home. They yeah. might have just been visiting and they gave. Um, we wouldn't expect them to give again. And so we're, we're now capturing data that helps us understand that group. Mm-hmm. And then the second group is folks that have maybe found a, a different home church or they've moved away because of a job and they're no longer attending and no longer engaged with Life Church, And they're giving somewhere else, which is great. We love that. Uh, that's not a negative thing. But we're, we're, we were finding new ways to, to identify that group of people. And then what we're, we're focusing on this year is that third group of people. So it's folks that are still attending, still engaged at Life Church, but some for some reason they've stopped giving. And the way we're approaching that is we're doing pastoral care checks. So we're mm. just equipping all of our local campus teams to follow up with them. And it's it's not a call to say, hey, we noticed you stopped giving. <laughs> it's just a call to say, uh, hey, this is this is Rodney from Life Church, and I just want to check in with you, see how you're doing, and is there anything I can be praying for you about? And what's amazing is how many times when we just do those care checks that something bubbles up. If if people have stopped giving, there's something usually significant in their life happening, and it's a perfect opportunity for us to come alongside as a pastor, care for them, and just be the church. And so that's what we're focusing on. And we're already starting to get some really good feedback about that, about that process. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it, but I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners. And frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Financial Planning Ministry. FPM exists to fund ministry by educating families and facilitating generosity in planned giving. We serve over 135 ministry partners and their community of members who are all part of God's kingdom. Organizations include Christian churches, universities, evangelistic associations, funding and lending institutions, missionary organizations, retirement homes, and youth camps. Through the promotion of Christ-centered stewardship and responsible estate planning, millions of dollars have been saved from probate and over $1.8 billion have been directed to Christian charities through planned giving. To learn more about financial planning ministry, visit us at fpm.org. There was another stewardship leader that was on this, Vinny Hu, a little while back and shared the same thing that you know he keeps an eye on lapse givers because he realizes that, um, in fact, uh, one of the kind of known known measures or, or facts that we know in the church is that people will stop giving usually several months before they leave the church. And sometimes that's because there's a financial hardship or sometimes there's a lost job. Sometimes there's um, a disgruntled something about, you know, that happened at the church. And when the ministry team, it doesn't reach out and say, hey, what's going on? 
in a, in a, again, not asking them, why did you stop giving? That would be rude. But, but just in a way to say, hey, I'm reaching out to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And if you do that, nine times out of 10, you recognize that either you'll address the issue that they're dealing with, whether it's a job loss, financial stress, or God forbid, maybe they're mad at the pastor for some reason, but at least you can address it. You may not be able to fix everything, but it makes you, uh, it makes them know that you care, that you've noticed. And especially in large churches, it's so easy for people to come in and out. I would get this comment from time to time from people and say, you know, if I disappeared, nobody would ever know. If I never showed up, nobody would ever know. And the truth is, there's probably a couple of people in the church like you who would know. But unfortunately, because in large churches, it's so much easier to hide and to not connect. Um, this is one of those touch points that's so important for staff to really keep an eye on and realize that people, commit when they commit to a church, especially when they start giving, they're invested there. They believe in that church. They believe in what the church is doing. And this is an opportunity for you to actually say that faith was well-placed because we're checking on you. We want to know how you're doing. That's uh, right. Whether they, they leave or whether they stay, whether they give or whatever, that's really not the goal. The goal is that you're really loving on people and trusting right. and, and speaking into their lives so that they can depend on the Lord. And then the giving will, you know, will overflow out of, out of their own, um, you know, spiritual growth and God blessing them. But it's such a crucial sure. thing. So I'm so glad that you are keeping track of that. I think more churches should be doing it. Looking at the numbers, I know some pastors may uh, not want to do this because they think they are crossing a line. And I'm not saying that a, a senior pastor needs to look at every single giver and what they give and how often, but they should have someone on staff that is entrusted with that information so that the pastor knows, generally speaking, where the congregation is, what he needs to talk about, what he needs to address. Because if 50, 60% of your church isn't giving anything at all, that's a problem. That's a spiritual yeah. problem. It's a, there's a lack of trust in God. Uh, that's right. Was it regards to money? So wouldn't a pastor want to know that? Sure. And so anyway, uh, I digress, but I think it's an important thing, and I'm glad you guys are yeah. are continuing to do that. And as you learn, hopefully you'll pass that on to us as well. Yeah. One, one other thing I might add is it's, it's actually an interesting time to try to evaluate lapse givers, because what we're seeing is we've got a lot of people coming back post-COVID, and, and we kind of call them returning givers. Uh, and so our we were actually up in the number of giving households last year, um, but it wasn't, it, it was because we had people returning that had stopped giving, but started giving again. And so you really have to dive into the data an extra level to look specifically for those givers that have lapsed. You can't just take it from the total number of givers, uh, for example. You have to look at how many people have lapsed. So that was a, a good learning for us, too. Yeah, it's so, so, so good. Again, it's not about how much money is coming in and how much people are giving. It's who's giving and who isn't. And That's right. Because really, you are looking at discipleship uh, that's at the right. end of the day, and, and that's... Um, having a total number doesn't really tell you very much. That's um, right. You can budget off of it, but um, next year it might change drastically and you'd want to know before it happens, why it happens, right? That's right. All right. So what concerns you the most, Rodney, When it, and then what excites you the most about stewardship ministry? Yeah. You know, I think the the biggest concern is, is a longstanding one. Uh, you know, our culture just so often seems to be teaching the exact opposite of good mm -hmm. stewardship. And there are just so many voices out there that that are um, uh, people here that people are engaging with. And um, a lot of times our voice gets lost uh, in the noise. 
And so that to me is, is always one of the um, concerns is how do we overcome a culture that is so heavily built around consumerism, uh, mm-hmm. around, you know, I, I deserve the best. I should have the nicest car. I'm, I'm competing with people down the street to have all of the right things and stuff. And, that, you know, competing with that message is, is always a challenge. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of concerned about the way our, our you know, younger generations are just being um, surrounded by that culture every day. And it's, it's the, the attention spans have gone down so much with social, social media. And, you know, stewardship isn't a 20 second conversation. It's not a, a quick, you know, cute phrase on a, on a post, uh, social media post. It's, um, it, it takes time and it's an investment. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out is how do we engage that that next generation in stewardship when they're hearing so much of a counter message and their attention span is so low. Uh, and so don't have all the answers, but that's something that we're, we're concerned about. Yeah, that's really good. I agree. I think, um, unfortunately, the the history for the church has been that we haven't talked about this topic very much. And as social media has increased and that influence has increased exponential, yeah. um, it's so easy for people to hear more of the wrong information or let's say incomplete information. Uh, yeah. Whereas uh, if the church isn't saying enough and it's not that we need to compete with that voice, but we certainly need to communicate enough so that it counterbalances what the world is saying. And, and so this is something that the Lord convicted me of many years ago as I was studying and investing into real estate and in different areas. And I was, you know, I was reading and, and following certain people that were very successful in this area. That's what people do. They follow successful people because they, they want to succeed in something. They want to learn from people who have already done so. And so I remember I was reading uh, and, and hearing and uh, listening to some of the content from one specific person. And I don't know this person's faith. I don't know any of that. But what the Lord really convicted me of is as I was listening to that content, I realized that I my heart was was really fixated on becoming more wealthy. And that's not a bad thing to please don't hear that. But but I recognize that I wasn't getting enough of the word of God in my life and the balance wasn't there. So the Lord just said, listen, it's OK for you to learn this, but always balance it and stay in the word so that you can balance it off and make sure make sure that you can take what's good and you can discard what's bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the church can really make a big difference is that if we teach biblical stewardship, and generosity, whatever our people hear when they go out into the world, it's going to be through that filter. And therefore, they will stay committed to the Lord rather than embrace materialism and all the things that the world is so enticing us with. So uh, I love I love you guys doing that. I think it's such an important part of making sure that stewardship is on the forefront and being addressed in the church all the time, because we need it. It's something we deal with yeah. every day. All right, Ronnie, as a last question, we are obviously are serving stewardship leaders and champions that serve in stewardship in the church. So what is your best advice for these folks? You know, I think it's always a good idea to start with self and kind of do a self-assessment. And, you know, one of the questions I love to encourage our uh, campus pastors to ask themselves is, uh, are, are you modeling the behavior you hope to see in those that you lead? And I think that self-assessment step right at the very beginning is such a powerful spiritual moment um, where God can really speak to you and and really empower you in a way that you can model the behavior you're hoping to lead others to follow. And just by doing that, you get an authenticity and an authority that you can't get any other way. 
people will recognize that authenticity. They'll recognize that biblical authority. And that is really, really powerful. And there's, you can say all the right words, you can do all the right things, but if you, if you don't have that, you're going to be missing out on a big part of the power that God can pour into your ministry. And then the other thing I would say is, is once you've, you know, once you've got uh, your, your own house in order, so to speak, um, getting a mentor and building community uh, around you that, that gets it, that can help support you in that, uh, in, in your ministry is going to be really powerful, especially when things get hard. The reality is, is we have a very real enemy who would love to take us out and discourage us and, and convince us to quit that we're not making a difference. And by having those mentors in that community around you, you can have others that are able to speak into you and say, no, this is absolutely worth it. They can remind you of wins that you've had in your past, of, of ways that God has shown up in a powerful way and really encourage you to stay strong in ministry. Yeah, I love that answer because uh, one, we're on this journey ourselves, right? We we never arrive, so to speak. It, it's an ongoing journey. It's a test that we continue to have to take and hopefully pass and continue to grow. But then what you're saying is not only do we need to make sure that we recognize we're on that, but to be vulnerable, especially with those that we lead. I think the best thing that a stewardship leader can do is show people that they're not perfect, that they've made those financial mistakes. Not, not every decision, financial decision they've ever made has been a good one. And I think that helps people, not only the volunteers that end up serving with you, but also those that you're teaching, those that you're ministering to, because they recognize that the bar isn't so high that they cannot achieve it and they cannot conquer it. And so it's really so important to stay humble and realize that this is an opportunity. We are not the ministry. The ministry is the Lord's. We just get to serve in it, but we also need to walk in integrity while we're doing that. And then the idea of being a, in a community that can support that journey, that's so important. And so I want to play off on that, uh, Rodney, is that here at the Christian Stewardship Network, that's really who we are. We're a community of stewardship and church leaders who come together to support each other, to learn from each other, uh, to grow in our own personal stewardship, but also to inspire others to do the same. And uh, it's a wonderful group of people that we would love for you to be part of if you're listening to this. We welcome you. We have resources. We have a membership that you can be part of, and we would love for you to be part of that. Rodney, thanks again for being on this show today. Uh, I so appreciate your heart for ministry and generosity, and uh, I'm grateful for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Leo. It's been a pleasure. And for those of you who have listened, thank you so much for being part of this podcast, listening to it. I hope it's been of value to you, and if it has, do us a favor and share it with another church leader. Uh, let them know that Christian Stewardship Network exists to equip and to train them to be good stewards themselves, but also to teach their congregation. We would love to come alongside you to train and help you to do this in your own church. Uh, if this is something that's a passion for you and you have no uh, way to express it, know that God has put it there and we want to help you express it. Uh, so join us. Uh, we have an event coming very soon, the Christian Stewardship Network Annual Forum is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's actually next week, so kind of the last moment, but hopefully if you're nearby or if you can make it, we would love to have you. This two and a half day event is specifically made for you. Uh, these are stewardship leaders that come from all over the country, and we will be uh, offering a lot of content, a lot of discussion, a lot of ability to network and learn about this ministry, and we'd love to see you there. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. <music>